Hey, it's Jake Wiskirchen back with you on the Noggin Notes podcast. This is episode number 32, and we're going to be talking to Amanda Green, who is a play therapist, and she's going to be talking about the importance of play and what it does to separate feeling from thinking. It's kind of a recurring theme that we have here in the Noggin Notes podcast as we aim to educate and enrich your noggin on all matters of mental wellness and mental health. But we also want to take note of the Sons of Fermentation homebrew competition that's happening in Reno, Nevada. So those of you in the Reno area or uh, Northern Nevada, Northern California broadly, we invite you to come down to the Club Calneva on Saturday, March 3rd from 2 to 6 p.m. For 30 bucks, you can sample 53 different types of homebrew. And these are elite level homebrewers who are going to be pouring their beers All styles will be represented, and a lot of them have been award winners from different competitions around the region over the last several years. All the proceeds go to benefit the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, and the backstory there is that one of the homebrewers in the club who uh, moved on to California from Nevada several years ago has a child who's uh, under the age of three and struggling with cystic fibrosis. And the homebrewers decided that this was a worthwhile cause. None of the proceeds will go to any overhead whatsoever. All the homebrewers donate their own beer. The Club Calneva will be donating the space. The music will be provided for free. All of the uh, beverages will be provided for free. All the activities will be provided for free. So Every dollar you spend will go straight to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation to help cure this uh, horrible disease that afflicts a lot of people across the country and across the world. It's a it's a pulmonary disease for those of you who don't know, and uh, it's it's awful. If you've ever known anybody who's struggled with it, they uh, they have to be on vaporizers and and whatnot, and the and the prognosis for life is not great. It's uh, into the uh, very young years of adulthood, so. Anybody who wants to support cystic fibrosis, whether or not you drink beer or homebrew or not, is invited to check out the Sons of Fermentation Homebrew Competition 2018. All you got to do is look up on Facebook, Sons of Fermentation, or SOF, presents the Homebrew Spectacular. And if you find that Facebook page, you'll be able to find the link that takes you to the ticket purchase area. And we hope to see you there. For now, on with episode number 32 of Noggin Notes, it is Amanda Green being interviewed by me about her techniques with play therapy and why that's so important. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Noggin Notes podcast. I'm really excited this week to welcome in one of Zephyr Wellness's uh, employees and uh, marriage and family therapist intern licensed in Nevada, Amanda Green. Hi. Hello. You're doing well uh, because we just got done talking about a client who's being very successful, and uh, your treatment has been well received by a lot of people at our agency, and we're happy to have you as an employee. And I also know that you're doing well because you just won an award. Um, Employee of the Year for 2017. Yes, you did at Zephyr Wellness. Good. And you're smiling, <laughs> but we can't tell it from your voice because you're very, you're very low key and you're very balanced. Most times you're very in control and, um, I appreciate you. I appreciate everything that's, that you've done for us. And right now we're recording this podcast in Silver Springs, Nevada, which is where you work on Thursdays and Fridays. 
when you're out here, you get a lot of kids. And this, uh, we teased in the beginning, uh, you didn't hear it because I recorded it elsewhere, but we teased in the beginning that this was going to be about play therapy. And you get a lot of kids, not only here, but also in Reno. And you work with them in a play therapy capacity. And I want to do a couple things with this podcast. And then and we're going to do two parts to this. Uh, the listeners may have just found that out because I told them. But um, we're going to do two parts. One is an overview of what play therapy is and uh, its basic tenets, if you will, or objectives. And then the second one is uh, a little bit deeper. It's a, it's a look into what the therapists uh, know about play therapy and what we're looking for mm-hmm. as we work with children and adults because it's not just for, for kids. So I want to empower the parents to know when maybe they're getting shined on by somebody who's masquerading as a play therapist and also to understand the the intentionality behind play therapy and how it differs from talk therapy. So I'm going to shut up because I'm not the expert, but I just want to lay the, the groundwork foundation for the for listeners so that they know why we're having this particular conversation. Um, I will let you start and you can start anywhere and I will just sprinkle in questions as we go. So pretty much I define play therapy as the way that kids, children communicate, um, where you and I can sit at being adults. We have a very comprehensive vocabulary. We're able to sit there and logically and emotionally think about what is bothering us, what's going on in our life and be able to process compared to children, compared to children. So children, because of their brain development and their their growing capacity for executive functioning and understanding logic and decision making they don't they don't have the verbal capabilities and the logical processes to do that and so the idea is is the the child comes in here and they play and that is their language and it's impose what is bothering them what is happening in the world onto the materials in the room some would call that a projective technique, but it's it's not that complex because it's just it, it's different, right? Correct. I don't impose my own beliefs onto right. the play. Instead, what it is is it's very much describing the feeling that's happening or the action that is that is occurring. That it's very much a, a choice, feeling, expression. It, I don't ask questions. I don't, you know, it's it's, it's there's very certain vocabulary that I use. So before we start talking in circles using lingo, uh, <laughs> talking in circles around the audience's heads, projective technique is is used when we ask a person to say something, do something, write something, draw something, and then we, we help interpret based on a collection of worldviews and whatnot, what they're trying to express, usually through unconscious function. That's not going on here. What's going on here is something very different. And I want to rewind our conversation just a little bit further than that, where you mentioned executive functioning. Explain that to our listening audience, because we've touched on that in previous podcasts with regard to feeling and thinking, but I didn't use that particular word or phrase. Um, So executive functioning basically comes from the prefrontal cortex, the part right behind the forehead. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is the last part to develop in utero. And it's the last um, part for us to develop uh, physically as human beings. So it's not fully developed until about the age of 26. And so as we are going through life, it's developing more and more, creating more pathways to understand problem-solving, decision-making, and to logically come and make a decision to it. And so it helps 
with impulsivity, awareness, those kind of things with this, our behaviors. The prefrontal cortex, your executive functioning, is what governs reason, rationality, problem solving, uh, conclusion making, inferences, uh, calculations, predictions, that kind of stuff. Cause and effect. Cause and effect, absolutely. Uh, so when we when we contrast that to the feeling part, the emotional part, the limbic system, as I describe it, uh, in the middle slash rear part of your brain, that's the stuff where you get impulsivity, feeling, reactivity, reflection. Not not with a with a C, but with an X. Reflexivity, I should say, uh, where there is no thinking or evaluation involved. It's just a snap uh, mm. decision that comes from from an emotional inf- information informative. Um, I'm just fumbling with my words, but that's okay because we're just going to keep going. Um, it's it's informed by emotion, not logic. So when you talk about executive functioning versus emotional functioning and you're working with play therapy, how does that play out when the kid is using the toys? Uh, so I come from an executive functioning thing that children make become becoming from emotional functioning. Because where, their executive functioning is not developed yet. Correct. Okay. And so I say... You chose to place that there, so I don't impose names onto items that I I may see it as a giraffe, but the child may be playing with it as a dog. Correct. Um, and so... That would be the that part of the, the phrase. You correct. chose to place that. It, it's a giraffe. We all know it's a giraffe, but the child hasn't <laughs> learned that yet. And then you say there, and you don't even label that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there. <laughs> there. I don't even label there, right. Cause, well, and then there could be anywhere in the room. Mm-hmm. So, and then it's also maybe one giraffe is hitting the other giraffe and I'm going to say that one's angry at the other where like when, when one, two objects or two people are hitting each other that typically denotes anger. Typically, typically, unless, uh, some, some kids like my, my toddler, he'll, he'll crash cars and he'll say cars are crashing, cars are crashing. Mm -hmm. They may not necessarily be angry, but it's just what he's seen watching the movie cars on TV, they crash, and he's fascinated by crashing, and that gives him power and control, I suppose, and, and whatnot. But that's not what you're doing. You're actually labeling emotion for these children so that they have the vocabulary of emotion to go with their play. Well, it's it's the it, just being able to identify the emotion that's coming as the first step in emotional intelligence. Okay. Um, which, which is different than intellectual intelligence, which is that executive functioning, mm-hmm. the IQ, that kind of stuff, is that emotional intelligence is the ability to identify the feeling and then what how do i handle it too okay and why 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 play therapy again because you know children we can't talk language wise it it uh it helps significantly with problem behaviors and in a sense of because it it allows the child to begin taking self interest like their their ability to say like i'm responsible for my behaviors my this thoughts, came from me. my feelings. Mm-hmm. Yes, this can't. You know, is the instead of you made me angry or you made me do this was is you chose to put that there and you chose to do that. It's, it says that like I am my own human being. No one can make me. And there, mm-hmm. you know, and and the other part is handling frustrations. Um, so like if a child comes in here, they, they are expecting me as a, as an adult to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. And so it says like, this is your time, you know, you choose what you want to do in here and it allows them to, to have that responsibility for themselves. That full ownership. Yeah. yeah. Most children grow up in, in environments that are very controlled and, and restrictive and for very good reasons. We, we don't want them to you know fall into the fire pit and we don't want them to tumble down the stairs and uh, we want to guide and shape their behavior. School does that and home should do that hopefully. So, 
um, a lot of the frustrations that, that manifest in, you know, acting out behaviors and that kind of thing that can get in the way of learning and get in the way of social interactions. Those are the things that drive parents to bring their kids into therapy. And in play therapy, you open up this opportunity for them in the office where there is no judgment, there is no rules, there's well, there's very a, few rules. It's but, a place for them to be themselves. Like right. there, there's no judgment, and the rules aren't stated until something happens that needs for that specific rule to be stated. And those are pretty few and far between. Don't throw sand at me, and don't break my toys, and don't shoot the Nerf gun at me. Okay, and and that's and that that's basic respect. Yeah. Right. So um, beyond that, you you don't necessarily hand. And I'm looking around. We're in your office now. And I'm looking around at these toys, and they all have. Uh, they're not random. They all have uh, some some meaning or significance. Attached toys are to selected, them. not collected. Ah, uh-huh. nice phrase. We can uh, we can tack that onto the uh, onto the Instagram <laughs> post. Toys are selected, not collected. Uh, we want intentionality. That's one of my favorite words uh, in therapy is intentionality. Know why you do what you do. And similarly, we want to know why we pick the toys that we do for our children. And you definitely do. Why don't I you do. talk a little bit about that as I'm looking around at the police car and the fire truck and the and the drums, which I kind of want to bang on right now. So, and I'm pretty sure you did last week. I may, um, may or may not have. <laughs> um, so, the, the funny part is a lot of people are surprised that, first of all, I f- buy most of my toys secondhand. Um, and that's because setting up a play, play therapy room is really expensive. Mm. Um, and so especially if you're picking brand new toys. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of it is that like there's, there's basic toys that, a dollhouse that's nondescript. So it doesn't mean a feminine or male, um, or masculine. Yours is is made of wood. It's very neutral. It's just brown. Yeah. And then all the, all the furniture just brown pieces of wood. Uh-huh. Um, nothing's painted, nothing, you know, says boy or girl on it. So it allows for the child to then do their thing with it instead of saying like, this is a, you know, a, a pink one. I'm not allowed to play with it because I'm a boy. And because somebody may have told them that uh, in some other area that, that, that then is restrictive and may actually be causing the acting out behaviors because they want to be creative. They want to do whatever they want to do with that, that particular toy. And some other adult has come in and infused their own worldview or bias onto it or their prejudice and said, no, you can't do that because I say so. And so in here, it gives the, the child the opportunity to, to invent and create in a safe environment. Exactly. And then you get to label those feelings for them so that they can attach meaning to, to the things that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I will remind you. Please don't look away from the microphone as you're glancing around your room because it takes it and makes your voice all echoey and tinny. So with my other toys that it's a lot of it is so we have these basic set like aggressive toys. You know, there there are some character toys in here because we all watch movies and sometimes mm-hmm. like they act out things that they may be seeing in movies that's bothering them or things that are acting out in the uh, that is happening in the families. You it's know, probably there's... fascinating just to see if it aligns with what the movie's representing too, right? Yeah. Uh, so if they so... take the superhero and suddenly he's a victim for some reason, that's that's significant. I have one kid that uh, uses Joker all the time, but Joker hmm. is always saving someone. Fascinating. <laughs> Has he seen Batman? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's, it's so they have the capacity to do what they want. It's that it's not in a controlling situation. Um, I used to have a recorder in here. And when uh, I'd have parents come in here and like the kid would pull it out and the parents would rush into like, this is how you play it. And it's like, wait, hold on a second. Like, why not allow them to figure it out for themselves? Like allow, 
them to figure out how they choose to play with it. Because and this is a, a recorder like a plastic clarinet, not yeah. a, a video recorder. Correct. That would be very creepy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so where it's, you know, some of it is allowing the person to figure things out for themselves, being able to open things themselves, do mm. things. Like I have Model Magic in here, which is some packages can be really hard to open and kids will like try for one second, open it for me. And, you know, it's, oh, man, you're really frustrated. You you just can't get that open. And then they're looking at me and they're like... Every other adult opens it. Every other, <laughs> every like... other adult comes in and jumps in and shows me how to do it and what to do with it. Instead, um, it, it always takes me back to that proverb, teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And it's so if, I, if I'm teaching the kid how to problem solve by essentially not teaching them but allowing them to handle their frustration and then they come up with the next logical sequence of it using scissors or their teeth or whatever then i'm teaching them the fish instead of doing it for them and to take that back to my framework of emotional functioning if we if we remember the wave and there's a beginning a middle and an end and most people uh want to get through the middle of the wave to know that they can tolerate the next one if we're bailing kids out of their frustrations and not teaching them to ride through that wave they will become dependent upon someone else to, say, open the model magic or to bail them out of other waves or frustrations. And then if we do that long enough over time, we don't teach distress tolerance. And that's where we get problem behaviors of you know throwing fits when they can't get what they want and so forth. Are exactly. You, do you find that um, in, in the, the play therapy setting that there's any pushback when you're so, uh, I know it's been politicized, but for lack of a better term, liberal, with the way that you open up your um, non-judgment, non-attached uh, way of going about things, do, do parents you know want to jump in and tell you that it must be this way and that pink thing must be associated with a girl and so forth? Um, I don't have parents ever tell me how that happens, but then, but I've had parents that push their kids to talk to me in session. Uh. Uh, your children, your child's not required to talk to me. That you know, I will find something. Something there is always something useful in play therapy that I am reflecting upon. That you know, so my and so you know, again, it goes back to that. It, do they have the cognitive abilities to be able to conceptualize the language that we're talking about? Like they may be able to identify it, but do they really truly understand it? Is the question. And so, you know, and and so it's uh, parents will tell their kids on the way in, have fun and. Well, it's not meant to have yeah, fun, yeah, yeah. you know, or, and then also the question, well, what did you talk about? And, you know, it's like, well, your kid's going to tell you that they just played because yeah, that's the truth, that's the point. but, <laughs> you know, and they're not recognizing that I'm talking differently than most adults. Some do. Mm-hmm. Some will tell me to be quiet in session. Um, and so it confuses parents because it's not that logical thing that everybody steps, or mostly everybody steps in and does is that it's, well, you should be talking logically to right. my child. So that's what you've been doing. How well has that been working for Correct. you? Correct. We, we need to slow down yeah. and, and and go back to the basics of learning, uh, observing behaviors and reflecting those and, and, and not judging them or evaluating them. They just are. They just are, right. And, and for the listening audience, it may start to sound like we're getting really off base with uh, child rearing and education that is not what play therapy is play therapy is targeted to specific behaviors uh to correct 
certain uh, problems and so forth. So this is play therapy as as loose and free form as it is is not a parenting strategy. It's not. So you're not gonna you're not gonna go read the play therapy book and said this is how I'm going to parent. As you and I were in that training, you're like, but how is my son supposed to identify that this is a truck? Yeah. If you know I'm doing this and it's. Right, because it's for a limited amount of time. Yeah, the very very narrow one hour session. You're going to get the kid a ba- uh, the, uh, used to the ability to uh, evaluate things he wants, place meaning wherever he wants them or she, and then reflect emotion. That's what we're doing. We're teaching emotional intelligence. We're teaching emotional functioning. We're not helping to parent the child by introducing him to a broad variety of concepts and then labeling for the kid so he can go apply them later in life. We're just helping them to express and explore in a safe environment. And self-concept and self-control, I think, is the other piece of sure. it, too. So, I want one of the things, as I'm looking away from the microphone, the uh, clock, um, and breaking my own rule, I, I like to keep the podcast short, and so we're, we're coming up on the 20-minute mark. I want to wrap this up. We'll do another installment. There are, there are some basic uh, principles that go along with this. And uh, you have a book there, and we want to give credit where credit is due. Who's the author of that book? Uh, Gary Landreth. He is considered the um, father of uh, child center play therapy. And and there are many types of play therapy. The uh, the one that you do is child centered play therapy. Correct. And Gary Landreth, uh, his his this book that you've got the title is Play Therapy: The Art of the Relationship. Currently on third edition. Uh, there may be a fourth. I don't know how old that book is, but Gary Landreth and Gary has two R's in it. Uh, you can check that book out. And we're going to be back uh, with with part two of this play therapy overview with Amanda Green. And we hope that you continue to stay tuned in. Thanks for listening to Noggin Notes. If you want to reach us, definitely uh, shoot us an email at info at nogginnotes.com or info at zephyrwellness.org. We'll be happy to take your questions and answer them in the podcast so that everybody gets their uh, curiosities met. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe. Give us a rating and review on iTunes. That's helpful because it helps to spread this uh, free information that we're trying to give out to the community. And the more people who learn it, the better off we are. And uh, the more empowered we can be to help uh, function society in a more positive and healthy way. And we'll catch you next week on Noggin Notes, where we aim to enrich and educate your noggin on matters of mental wellness and mental health. I'm Jake Wiskirchen.